0: The Cannabis Heals Me podcast, episode 41.
1: You're listening to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast, where we explore the real stories of real people who have discovered the profound healing properties of the cannabis plant in their own lives. Find more at CannabisHealsMe.com.
0: Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. This is your host, Rachel Kennerly, and we're broadcasting once again from the Storybook Inn studios. Hope everyone have a great weekend. I spent most of the weekend at a homeschool convention down in the Woodlands trying to pick out math curriculum for my son. That's... Oh, it's got to be the hardest thing that I that that I've done in this homeschool journey. So, uh, if you guys have any suggestions for curriculum, I'd love to hear them. I'm kind of looking at Schiller Math or Right Start Math. They're both Montessori based. But if you guys have used these programs or have any other math programs, I'd love to hear your suggestion. You can email me podcast at cannabishealsme.com. has nothing whatsoever to do with cannabis, but always looking for suggestions for folks that have been doing this for longer than I have. So I'm all ears if you've got suggestions. I have a suggestion for you. Go ahead and click the subscribe button on your podcast app so that the podcast will automatically download to your phone every time we have a new episode come out. I would also love for you to write a review. If you'll go out to Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast catcher you're using and give us a rating and write a review, I will read your review on air unless you email me and tell me you don't want me to do that. I will read your review on the air. And what that does, those reviews, somehow it affects the algorithm. And the more reviews and ratings that we get, our show will be suggested to people that are in their Apple podcast looking for something to listen to. If we've got good reviews and ratings coming in, Apple will actually suggest our show to people who've never heard of us before. So that's an easy way for us to get the word out about the podcast. And we don't have to talk to anybody. And we don't have to spend any money to do that, so go out and give us a review on Apple Podcast. and if you're not using Apple Podcasts, review us on that, but our statistics show that the bulk of our users, the bulk of our listeners, are using Apple Podcasts, so I'm not trying to exclude anyone listening on Stitcher, Google, Anchor, anything like that, it's just the majority of y'all are listening on Apple Podcasts. I think you guys are going to enjoy our guest today. Her name is Michelle Dumais. She's a chemist, and her daughter has a terminal disease. She was born with, she had spina bifida, and she had surgery on her brain where like half her brain was removed within 24 hours of her birth, and they sent this little tiny precious baby home with them with the terminal diagnosis and I want to tell the whole story but I'm going to let Michelle tell it. So, it without further delay, I want you guys to welcome Michelle Dumay to the program.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So, you had actually done a TED Talk about your daughter's story?
1: Yes, I did and and um that was that was quite a quite an honor and um a, a point of um uh, I a, a thing, uh, you know, sort of. I look at this this journey, and that was one point in the journey that, for sure, was was a labor of love, and was also very much a very freeing uh, event. So, yes, I'm happy to talk about it uh, that, about that as well.
0: Was that your first time to share your daughter's story publicly, or have you been a pretty outspoken? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that was the first time that I had shared some particular parts of of her story publicly. Previous to that, shared bits and pieces with different people, but certainly that was the first time sharing it in such a public uh, form and with more depth than than other times. So I have spoken um, at a few cannabis events around the world and then a few... Uh, here in the U.S.
0: Well, do you mind sharing her story with us?
1: Sure, Rachel. Absolutely. So my my daughter is one of these one of these kids who was born with a rare brain abnormality, and you might remember in the nineties there were a bunch of kids who were born with a, a neuro disorder called spina bifida, and spina bifida is basically where the patient has an opening somewhere along their neural tube. So typically that opening was along the spine, right? And so my daughter was born with this rare brain abnormality in which the opening was at the base of or the posterior region of her brain. So while she was developing, um, the you know, the bony plates move around in the head. Mm-hmm. And in her case, the bony place did not close. And so she had an opening near the in the posterior region of her skull, and in which case there was no closing. And so the soft brain matter came into contact with the amniotic fluid. So consequently, what happened is more than half of her brain died in utero. Oh, wow. And so when she was born, you could look to the backside of her head and you would actually be able to see her brain matter because the skin did not close. The brain pushed through, interacted with the amniotic fluid, caused the death of the brain. And so when she was less than a day old, they had to remove more than half of her brain to save her life. Oh my goodness. So this this little, this, this little, little, little fragile one person was given to us. And um, as we were exiting the hospital, we signed off paperwork saying we understood that she was supposed to die. And they told us that she lived to be two weeks to two months old. Oh, my goodness. And good luck. And we'll send you home with hospice care. And good luck. Wow. What we instead found was a physician who had done her postdoc work at that same hospital and done her um, some advanced studies and she was a pediatrician. So they released us to her care and we took her to the hospital mean um, took her to the office. And this physician, after examining, she said, I need you to close the door. And I said, okay. So closed the door. and She said, look, this kid that they sent the file to me on is not the kid who's here in this room with me. And I said, what, what do you mean? She said, the kid that they sent the file on is at death's door. This kid, your kid, I think is healthier than what you've been told. Oh, wow. And I said, okay. She said, but listen, this is an insurance game. In that moment, I learned about advocacy. And she said, listen... As long as I have the determination of terminal illness on this child, she cannot receive any services. The insurance company will not provide any service to you except those that are supportive of death. Oh, wow. I, I think that she's healthier than they thought. She said, I don't want to give you false hope, but let's take her to some others, some therapists, and let's see if what I think is true is actually true. And I said, okay, let's do it. So she she lifted the termination of terminal illness for 30 days. She said, I can only do this for 30 days. You need to take her to a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, and see if they think that she's worthy of therapy. If they tell you she's worthy of therapy, then we can keep this determination off of her and you are allowed to seek therapy for her because you have to understand Rachel at this point i've been told that my kid will die 2 weeks to 2 months yeah. she's going to be in a deep vegetative state she's going to need a breathing machine she's going to need to be um, uh, probably g tube fed she's going to she experiences what they call failure to thrive she's legally blind she's deaf all of these sort of catastrophic determinations of health right and so here was this physician saying listen I think there's a glimmer of hope now what parent who doesn't want a glimmer of hope because you have to understand oh absolutely you know literally from the week before we met this woman to the previous three months of meeting this woman we had prepared for my daughter to leave. We didn't take baby clothes to the hospital. We didn't take, we didn't take a basket. We didn't have a car seat. Uh, her father and I spent time looking for and pricing a coffin. And that's what wow. we did the last week before she was born.
0: Oh gosh. So,
1: so oh, we That were, breaks my heart. This is, you know, this is the part of the journey that was really difficult, you know, Mm -hmm. and I talked about this in the first time I talked about that portion publicly where I said that we, we made a promise to her and we said, listen, baby, if you come to us, come back to us in the morning, we we will fight for you during the day. Mm -hmm. And she kept coming back and they kept saying, you know, two weeks to two months. So I had a calendar and I was counting down 60 days, 90 days. And I was counting down the time until I finally, I remember getting on day 59 and saying, you know, okay, I I, I don't know what this is going to be like. And then that next morning she was there. And the morning after that, she was there and there and there morning after morning And it finally dawned on me, hell, this kid can't read? She didn't know she was supposed to die? (laughs) She can't count?
0: That's right.
1: And so that's where I realized that I had promised her if she would come back, I would fight, and I had to to honor my word, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I have a degree in chemistry, and so at the time when we were taking her out of the hospital – The day that we were the morning that we were supposed to take her home, she had her first seizure and they put her on barbiturates. And I thought, that's perfect. You know, I'm a chemist. I understand. this. Let's, you know, let's, let's do anything to mitigate the seizure, because what they had told us was probably the thing that's going to kill her is that she's going to have a major seizure and she's going to die. Or she's going to have a minor seizure and she's going to die. So as soon as she had that first seizure, I was on board. Let's get those barbiturates. You know, let's you know, let's tame this beast. Mhm. And she had that seizure. We put her on the barbiturates. I didn't see any more seizure activity for about a week after that. So, you know, and I never advocate for for parents to do what I did, but I called the doctor and I said, "Listen, I'm down dosing her. We're we're get we're getting off these barbiturates." Yeah, And that was the beginning of the advocacy. And in our case, in our case, you know, my hard stop was I was already told my kid was going to die, right? So for me, it was quality of life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: From day one, it's been quality of life. It's not been necessarily extending life, but it's definitely been having the best quality of life that one can have in whatever amount of time that we have. And so um, in the TED Talk, I spoke about what the difficulty of that journey. Um, to your listeners, I am an African-American, female, of course, a mom, that also happens to be Muslim. So I come from a very conservative background. And if we look at cannabis, there's a history there that has a lot to do with race, that has a lot to do with class, that has a lot to do with access. And as a part of this journey, you there are people around you that you have to sort of bring along in the journey, right? And so at the very beginning I didn't wake up and say, Oh, cannabis it's it's for me. I knew nothing mm-hmm. about cannabis. I knew nothing about this plant as a medicine. I only knew about cannabis as a um as a a, a drug of harm. Um I knew about it as a a, a breaker of families. I knew about it as an illegal commodity. I didn't know about it as a medicine. And so, you know, at that part of the journey, we were just, how do we survive? How do we mitigate any form of harm to, to my kid? And so you fast forward from that time, those first few months to believe it or not year nine so, again, here's wow. a kid who is old, two weeks to two months to live, and we're off of the barbiturates until year nine. She did not have a seizure that we could see, right? She might have had um, subclin- what they call subclinical seizures, so she has abnormal brain uh, rhythms, but we can't see the effect of the abnormality until she has a seizure. So of course, she's also very compromised. So um, in that journey, we found out that she's legally blind, that she's not deaf. Okay. We found that she's quadriplegic and she has very low tone, so she doesn't walk. We found that um, eating became a difficulty for her, so she indeed does have a G-tube. We found that she has great lung capacity, perfect heart function. So she does not have um, a, a breathing machine. So the journey has had has some of those components that we knew about in the beginning, but certainly we're way beyond two, two weeks to two months, right? Yes. So, so you get to the part of the journey where uh, she's nine years old, she's in school full time, and she's thriving. She's probably got about 10 or 11 words. She has a great personality, a wicked sense of humor. Uh, How do I know this? Even though she has 11 words, she has an older brother. And (laughs) I know your listeners have never heard of one child defending another child, right? But my oldest, I promise you that kid made me scream a time or two. And there were times when the tenor in my voice was, you know, increasing and I'm talking to him and I'm upset with him and all of my daughter will throw her voice up or she'll do something to get my attention and take it off of her brother.
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: You know, or I'll be telling him something, you know, son, you know, this, 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 and she will be in her car seat. Mm hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i'm talking about rachel time and time and time again and we just crack up you know because our comedic timing and and you know this is you know this is the part of the journey where we smile and we laugh and we say my god you know this is incredible to think that we went from a deep vegetative state And i remember if i can go back one one bit i remember absolutely this was a we had a team around this kid. Um, and because of the rare brain abnormality, we knew about this at about twenty weeks, right? So one of the specialists, he was I think he was the neurologist, neurologist. I mean, this guy had to he, he probably owed Moses uh, a dollar or two. I mean, he I
2: just was told <laughs> later on
1: that he retired twice from, from from the hospital. He was just but he was that of a physician wow. he, pulled, he pulled us into the room and he said you know you know uh, mr. May uh, we you know we want you to have a, a, a complete understanding of, uh, of, of this fetus and listed off all of these things that was going to possibly be wrong with with this fetus uh, And mm-hmm. so he, he ended with you know um, going to be in a deep vegetative state. And her her father and I were sitting there and we're mildly educated folk and so I just well, a looked at, <laughs> Right, right. So I just kinda looked at him and I said, Well, well, what kind of vegetable do you mean? And when you say in a deep vegetative state, and he just kinda looked at me and I said, Do you mean like a couch potato or do you mean like a spicy chili pepper? Because you know, we've got variety here. And he just looked at me, said Mr. May, do you understand what I'm saying? And I said, I absolutely understand what you're saying. Do you understand what I am saying? There has to be, even in this diagnosis, there has to be some some space for capacity. Even in this, there has to be space for capacity. And he just shook his head and I just shook my head and we just kind of ended at that.
0: Agreed Um, to disagree, right?
1: (laughs) We agreed to disagree, and every time I get an opportunity, I do go back to to that that Children's Hospital, and I take her, and the physicians are happy, and they're so, you know, excited, and and they say, you know, what we were so glad we were wrong, you know, we were so glad that we were wrong, Um, so. Yeah. So you fast forward about nine years and she has her first seizure and her second seizure. And I'm thinking now I'm in denial. Like what? We've made it all this time. We can't possibly be here. We can't possibly be here. And I had a very good girlfriend who pulled me aside and said, Michelle, you are here. Go get help. Mm-hmm. And I, Rachel, I cried because I, you know, at this point I felt like, okay, we're winning. Mm-hmm. We are the winning team. We've we've out we've outdone anything that was that was said. You know, one of the other statistics was that in that year, children born born with her rare brain abnormality numbered probably about 10 but the number of children in America that lived beyond the day 30 with her brain abnormality probably drops down to I think what was it I believe four or five And the number of children that live after the 31st day, but to the 364th day, drops to one. So she is that one, right? She is that one. She is that one. So I I refused to believe that we were losing and took her to a specialist. And uh, he confirmed, yes, in fact, she is having a seizure. And let's put her on a seizure med. And I said, okay, perfect. You know, here's the chemist, right? Perfect. Which, you know, which one are we going for? And so commonly known as Keppra. And I said, oh yeah, I, I, I've got friends. I, I know folks who have special needs kids and in her classroom and, you know, they're, they're on Keppra and yeah, let's do it. Let, let's do it. Put her on the Keppra, saw some mitigation of the seizures. Perfect. I'm all in. Mm. We went like that for a few months and then the seizures changed. (laughs) I said, okay, went back to the neurologist. He said, okay, let's increase the dosage. Okay, let's do it. I'm a chemist. I'm all in. Let's do it. Went back a few months later. Uh, Seizures changed again. The frequency changed, the type changed. Let's do it again. He increased the dosage i'm 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 all in you know anything anything that's gonna mitigate any any harm to my kid, I'm all in. Yes, let's do it. Then he said when we we I think we might have gotten a few more months on that one. We might be at about a year, maybe a year and a half. She had more seizures. He said, okay, let's let's add in another one. Okay, let's do it. I'm all in. This one is called Triliptal. Got her on the Triliptal. Now my kid is starting to sleep. Mm. Maybe 10 hours a day. Seizures are still changing it felt like we were chasing a moving target and any parent will will you know will break our heart before we put our kid in harm's way we will take off an arm, a leg we'll do anything before we put our kid in harm's way so I said okay let's do it and then my kids started sleeping for 16 and 18 hours a day. And I said, okay, wait a minute.
0: Yeah, there goes the quality of life that y'all were looking for.
1: I said, there's got to be, there's got to be something else. Oh, you know, well, there, we, we do have, a, we do have, you know, we have a whole list of things we could do. We could remove part of a brain. We could put in a machine that would um, uh, alert for seizures and sort of mitigate them internally called a VNS vagus nerve stimulator. We could try to cut out the part of the brain that's having the seizures. We could change her medication. We could put her on another, um, uh, you know, we could add another drug into the cocktail. I said, but where's that quality of life? Yeah. Well, we hope that it would improve. So wow, okay. I don't like I don't like that term. Yeah, I'm 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 not real I'm not real comfortable with 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 that. Those there there are no numbers with that. How much do, How much do you think it's going to improve her life? Is she going to gain back four hours of sleep? I mean, uh, of 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 alertness. Is she going to gain back you know six hours of alertness? What are we talking about? Well, you know, Mister May, we don't know. We're kind of in uncharted territories. She has yeah. intractable epilepsy. I said intractable, what, what really does that mean? He said intractable means we don't know how to mitigate the seizures. We are doing everything we can to mitigate them, but they have shown us that they do not respond to, to our normal protocols. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So so the solution you have is that we add more or try different drugs.
0: Or do an invasive and, surgery.
1: Or remove part of her brain. He said, well, yeah, you know, we need to, before we do the brain surgery, we need to, you know, we need to do a study. I said, oh, well, what kind of study? He said, well, we do a sleep study. I said, okay, well, what does that do? He said, well, we we uh, we let her come and sleep in the hospital. And we look at where in her brain the seizures are occurring. And then with that we can sort of determine if we can remove part of that seizing part of the brain. I said, okay. Um, well it's it's data. So you just she just sleeps, you don't, you know, you don't you don't put her to sleep. You said, Oh no, no, no. We just we just watch her while she sleeps. I said, Okay, perfect, let's do it. So we did that. Results came back that the seizure activity was all over her brain. The, mm. the, the option of removing a part of the brain where the seizure would occur did not exist. She had activity absolutely everywhere. And so that became a non-option. Um, putting in the, the VNS also became a non-option. And so they came back with the suggestion of, well, let's try adding more uh, drugs to her cocktail. And I said, okay, let me think about this. And think about this is a euphemism for hell no. And <laughs> so I went home and we talked you know, amongst family and we said, you know what, <clears throat> this is, there's, there's no quality of life. And so if, if the choice is that we just keep her inebriated, um, then let's keep looking for something that she have a quality of life. And in the interim, we did place a G-tube in her because she began to sleep so much that she wouldn't eat. So that she was yeah. beginning to have this failure to thrive. She wasn't gaining weight. So we said, okay, let's at least um, improve that. Quality of life. Sleep is um, is, uh, is is where the most uh, helpful and helpful uh, time for the body. One of the most helpful and healthful mm-hmm. times for the body. So we said, okay, let's let's get her to you know maximum nutrition. Perhaps we can see a change in that. We saw a little bit of a change, but not much. I mean, one night, um, because she had at that point she was having seizures about 80 to 90% of the time in the nighttime. So I had sleep uh, insomnia and I had to watch her because strangely enough, the insurance thought that it was not important to have a monitor for her. She didn't qualify Mm -hmm. for a monitor. So when she would have these seizures in the night, I'd the only way we would know is that I would be there or half listening, I'd hear her breathing change. I hear her begin to choke. I would hear her begin to struggle and have these contractions, these seizure contractions. A seizure contraction for her looks like her arms are raised, her legs are outright, and she's like she's trying to hug a tree, right? Mhm. I was watching TV one night between the seizures, listening for the seizures, and I saw this program um, with Sanjay Gupta called. Um, uh something about weed or, or 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 cannabis in America or something and i saw this little girl who had a seizure disorder and she was having 600 seizures a day and what i knew about my daughter was that she was having similar number of seizures because her her brain rhythms were so abnormal that she was basically having seizures all day, but we could not physically see them, right? And so this is a very similar kid to my kid, about the same age as my kid. And I saw this mom take this little brown, the syringe with this little brown liquid and give the child drops in her mouth and the seizures would stop. I said to myself, Oh my god. I want that for my kid. How do I how do I do that? Where do I get that from? I want that for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I just I just wanted them to stop.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And I said, um, I got to figure this out. And so I kept watching the program and I had like it's not Tivo now, but whatever you it And, you know, it rewind, you know, so I'd rewind it and I'd watch, you know, she put these drops in the kid's mouth, the seizure would stop. i rewind, I'd watch. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out because that was the promise, right? If she kept coming mm-hmm. back, I would advocate for her and I would find a way. And that was the promise. And I found that in Arizona, where I live, we have a medical cannabis program. And I went to her physician, I told her about the program. She nodded her, she was nodding her head. And um, I said, how do I, I know that we have a program here. I know that, you know, it needs, you know, you need doctor's approval and things like that. How do I get her in that program? So her physician said, just a minute, let me, I'll be right back. So she came back and she said, "Um, I spoke to someone in our legal department and I'm not able to help you.
0: Seriously.
1: And I said, well, what does that really mean? She said, the hospital's policy is that we do not cannot by by law advise you because medical cannabis is illegal federally.
0: Wow.
1: I said but we have a medical, medical, medical program. She said, Yeah, she said, Yeah, I know, but it's 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 a bunch of legal stuff. And I, I just cannot, I cannot advise you. I cannot help you. And she said, but it's a funny thing. There's this little sticky note here that I don't know how it got here, but it seems to have some information about (laughs) where I think it says where to go and get help. I don't know how this note I don't know where do you know where I said, Oh no, I don't know where that note came from. <laughs> and that's how we sort of began the journey, right? And, and and there and there's the rub also, right? Because many physicians that are working inside of these hospital systems, inside of these um uh physician systems cannot uh, help patients, their regular patients get into medical cannabis programs, right? And so that's, that's what patients experience day after day, situation after situation in this country, because there's that separation um, between states uh, run medical program medical cannabis programs and the federal government and yeah. you know that's when we really started to understand that part of the journey and how it's separated and how you have to sort of dance over and around this wall of separation and that sticky note that just happened to appear uh-huh I, you know I went with that information and I went to what was a medical cannabis dispensary here in my state and that particular dispensing organization actually has a medical director a practicing uh physician and i was able to learn so much about cannabis and 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 there's actually a support group for parents using cannabis uh with uh children that have a seizure disorder and i've i found my tribe Yeah. And, you know, started becoming active and still researching whether this was going to work for her or whether, you know, learning about how I could do it, because you have to understand, even in a medical cannabis program, it's not the same as going to a physician where you pick up a bottle of pills and they say, okay, here's the script. Uh, You need to take these two times a day. Uh, You know, my kid has had about 30 I think we're on medicine 35 Um, she has about 35 different she has about 35 different meds that um, in the course of her and at this point we're year 12 so we're winning yeah um, that she's had and so we had to sort of figure it out but we had to, we figured it out with other parents. We we listened to how other parents were doing it. We listened to what the physician uh, of leading the group, you know, shared with us. And what I learned, you know, after her becoming a part of this tribe is that there are parents all over the world that are doing what we're doing, that we are what we call N of one. So the Mm -hmm. subject study of one. So we each are learning how to medicate our child or our family member, our loved one, one person at a time, because in this country, you know, we've had this federal prohibition now around the world. Not so much. There's statistical, Uh, there are studies that are happening that have to do with the use of cannabis. So we, so that medical director pulled up a a study and I forget when the study was done, might've been in the 60s or 70s, but it gave me a starting point to, uh, you know, where to begin. And it's not sort of, you know, you throw it at the wall. It's very, very calculated. Again, I'm a chemist. I'm very familiar with with this methodology, and we began with calculating how many milligrams of CBD and, and THC to give to her determining determined by her body weight. So I give her a certain number of milligrams per kilogram of her body weight. I'm not throwing spaghetti at the wall, but is this a controlled, double-blind, placebo study? No. Mm-hmm. But is it very calculated?
0: well? She's a she's an anomaly all in itself. So I mean,
1: uh, right, <laughs> right. We're, we're, there are, we're, there's no way to there's no way to lose here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, uh, the reality is, my kid is terminally ill, and that's my hard stop. My kid is a is has intractable epilepsy. That's my other hard stop. Those are the two boundaries in which I must play every day. So using that, you know, if, if the surgeon, if the if the doctor's going to suggest brain removal, listen, the kid already had half a brain. So you're yeah, talking right. about brain removal. You know what? Give me the plant. Let me try something with this plant. You know, and so from year nine-ish or so to year 12-ish or so, you know, we've had, we've had success. So we're, so we're we're winning with this plant, but it has been a journey. I wish that I could wake up and say, oh, um, your kid has epilepsy. Okay. Well, you know, your dosing is this, that, and the other. I haven't met, I haven't met another parent in my tribe where the dosing, was the same from one kid to the next because, because the plant, you know, we have what's called an endocannabinoid system. So we, we, every mammal that's got a bone uh, has this endocannabinoid system and it's very individualized. So how her body responds and how the other patient responds is there's some variety. So I really feel like, my kid is N of one, you know, subject, study, subject, patient count one. And so I've had to learn when to give it to her that's, that's best, how to give it to her that's best. She's a G-tube kid. So some people told me, you know, don't give it to her with her feed. Well, her feed has a fat in it. Mm-hmm. And. The cannabinoids really respond very well when their uptake into the into the body is with the fat. That's why people put them in butter that's why people put them you know over drizzle it over avocados because or mix it into peanut butter because there's that fat and the body really responds very well, yeah, and so it's that n of one right I in the beginning was giving her the c b d and t h c um, twice a day in the beginning when she had her uh, pharmacy meds and in the evening of the, at the, the end of the day when she was also having her pharmacy meds and we were seeing good results. Then again, I don't want to make it seem like this cannabis is a panacea, right? But mm-hmm. her seizures changed. So then we needed to start giving her some during Somewhere in the middle of the day. So when she would come home to three o'clock in the afternoon, we began to give her a dose then. And we've seen good results. So now she's on three, three times a day. You know, I started out with a predominantly CBD uh, only tincture. And I've progressed now to one that has CBD and THC, it's a one to one. It's still in the liquid. I still open up her G-tube. I count the drops in there, close the G-tube, let that formula run through her G-tube. And we're having success. But it's been, you know, it's been a journey, right? It's been, it's it's really been a journey.
0: About how long did it take y'all to figure out kind of that sweet spot to, Mm -hmm. of what, what ratio and what timing to give it?
1: I think we probably got the ratio within six months, and I think we got the timing after about a year. Because in the first six months, we were giving it to her, we saw the results, right? And then, you know, and then you have these other things that are happening. This kid had a few more uh, surgeries. Um, she hit puberty. Um, the, -hmm. the type of seizures that she had changed just a a little bit more. So the beauty of it is you're able to document what you're doing and then make those changes and sort of sit back. So it really is a study of one. I, on this, at this time of day, I gave her, you know, these number of drops at this time of day, I gave her and this is what I saw. Um, uh, we saw a cessation of seizure activity on this day. And so you see. Over the breadth of time, you see what it is that is most um, uh, most effective, and so I would say probably, um, yeah, dosing or so, first six months, and then the timing probably made yeah we probably made an adjustment about a year, year and a half in, and we changed and went to three times a day. Now you
0: mentioned that your community is fairly conservative when it comes yep. to this sort of thing. So, yep. what was the what was the reception like when you told your extended family and church members what you guys were trying or did you just not tell anybody for a long time?
1: Yeah, we did the don't ask don't tell. We we followed the US military uh <laughs> <laughs> protocols there, don't ask don't tell. Uh, um Per, ju- just out of fear, and then uh, you know, but you can you can kind of you can't you know you can, you don't sit and say okay well you know honey don't have a seizure right now mm-hmm. uh, you know until so people begin to notice that less seizures what are you doing you know I I see out more you're walking on the street you're pushing her your her wheelchair down the street like uh, you know. She, she, wow, she looks she looks really good. You know what 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 are you doing? And so you you know you you got to come out of the closet. You can't hide. And okay, talk about comedic timing. She's in the background and she's saying mm mm. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh. So you you know you start sort of sharing the story, you know, and you start saying gently, you know, this is, this is what we're doing. And people ask, Oh, or commented, Oh, you know, I've, I've heard, of, I've heard that it was legal in the state, but how do you, how do you get her to smoke it? Because she can't, she, she does. How, how do you, do you blow it in her face? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, everybody automatically assumes that it's smoking.
1: Right. Because we we with the stigma of cannabis, right, and the war on drugs, that's the only way that we knew that people, you know, consume it. Uh and, and so you you know, you just walk them through that there are, you know, a variety of ways to use this medicine. Just like uh with cotanol, uh you can get it in a pill form. Uh, mm-hmm. As a as a child, you could get it as a chewable. You mm-hmm. could get it. You could get it in a liquid form, and you know people sort of look at you like, "Yeah, I can understand that." And I say it's the same thing with cannabis. There are some patients who who do smoke it because the uptake of the cannabinoids gets into their system um, immediately. There are some patients who. Uh, use the medicine as a sublingual. They have a little spray. They drop some drops underneath their tongue, and the uptake, you know, for them is 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 also quick. I said my child doesn't have the capacity to smoke. Yep. I, I'm I'm not a smoker, and if I was smoking, I would be taking in the cannabinoids. And blowing smoke into her face is just cruel and unusual punishment. It's just blowing smoke into her face. So we use a liquid that I, that and I, in the same way I feed her, is the same way I give her medicine. Just like all her other medicines, all her other medicines are liquids that I give to her in a G tube. Her mucinex goes in a G tube. Her her Kepra is a liquid goes in a G tube. Her Trilipyl is a liquid goes in a G tube. The Tylenol is a liquid goes in her G tube. So, all of you know, all of these are the same, and they just kind of look and say, "Wow!" And so, when you sort of meet people where they are, it's a very different conversation. You know, if it, if you can, I, I I just can't say that enough. If you just meet people where they are, and you you know you bring them along in the journey, it's it's totally fine. You know, and and I have some some very good friends that are that are Christians and you know, they're like, Well, you know, the this smoking, you know, this cannabis, you know, it's 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 frowned upon in the Bible. And I said, Well, you know, actually, um, let me let me pull something out for you. <laughs> and I and I begin to walk them through how in the Bible it is mentioned in different places and they say, Huh, well then Really, and I, I said, "Yeah, yeah, this, this, this is this is your book." And they say, "Yeah," and they're like, "Well, then that's okay." And I said, "Yeah," and I said, "You know, you think about it like this: it's a medicine. We're using it to alleviate discomfort. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it has a side effect of her smiling. I remember one time." She'd had a particularly bad set of 24 hours. We had EMS here and um, she had turned blue. And if you can imagine an African-American child turning blue, how yeah. shocking wow. that is. Um, yeah. And so she was blue. EMS was here. Um, by the time they came, we were able to get her stable. and EMS said, um, well, it's up to you, Mr. If you want to take her, uh, we'll we'll certainly take her to the hospital, but it's up to you. And I said, well, all of her stats look good. Oxygen looks good. He said, yeah, everything is good. He said, "Okay, but listen, uh, if she has another seizure within 24 hours uh, and you call us back, we will not give you this choice. We will take her ourselves. And I said, you know what? If she has another seizure in 24 hours, you don't have to worry. I'm not even calling you. I'm going straight with her to the hospital. Yeah. And so he said, okay, that's a fair deal. He said, um, I said, uh, you know, I really appreciate, I always appreciate our firefighters, right? Our our servicemen and women. Um, And I said, you know, I think she's okay. And I looked over at her and okay meant at the time, Uh, she was slumped over in my arms. She was she looked like she was drunk. Her eyes were rolling in the back of her head because you have to imagine, in order to get her out of the seizure state, I had to give her three rounds of her emergency meds. And I and I only had one round left by, by what the neurologist and I had worked out. I only had one bullet left in the trigger. And so that's when I called EMS because after that i have to tap out ems has to come they have to give her a different drug that i don't have to stabilize her so she was drooling rachel she was uh she's already very um listless because of mm-hmm. her quadriplegia yeah she looked drunk she you know this is the heartbreak of 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 the part of the story where my kid looked like she was at death's door mm-hmm. because that's where, that's where the seizures take her. They take her to a yeah. place where she has no fire in her eyes. You know, she she's just quiet, she's limp. And I said, okay, don't you worry. If she has another seizure, I'm going to, to take her myself. So that was five o'clock in the afternoon. Five four fifty three in the morning she has another seizure
2: mm.
1: and and it's a bad one. This is the one where she's choking. Uh, you hear her you hear her struggling to breathe she's she doesn't cry, but now she's crying, she's yelping this oh. is, this is these are the hard seizures oh yeah, and Rachel, I'm running around my house looking for my car keys. I can't find them. And I'm looking for my spare. I mean, you know, 12 hours earlier, we're all in a panic. Right. So I don't know what I've done with the keys. Um, and so we, I'm, I'm struggling and I know that I need to call, you know, EMS and, and, and I, I look and I say, okay, um, what can I do? And I've given her, you know, the day before I felt like I'd given her her last rights. I mean, I thought I was saying goodbye to my kid. hmm You know, I, I I went to her C B D and her THC meds and I never advocate that parents or caregivers uh do anything other than care for their kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I medicated her and I watch this kid turn over look at me and smile and say mama 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 oh gosh whereas 12 hours earlier she was sitting in my arms drooling Uh uh-huh you know at death's door I don't you know I don't I don't say any of this to be dramatic I don't say any of this to and it doesn't you know the the cannabis meds are like any other med. Sometimes they you know they they help immediately, and sometimes the the efficacy takes time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But in this case, in this time, it was virtually immediate. Seizure stopped, and 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 I had and again I you know I'm full disclosure I've seen the seizures stop with her pharma meds. But this time, the seizure stopped with her CBD THC med. And again, I, don't, I do not, I am not saying this is a panacea. I'm not saying this mm-hmm. is a cure. I am, I am not advocating for, uh, for caregivers or parents not to use their pharma meds. My kid is still on her pharma meds, mm-hmm. but I use them in conjunction with her cannabis meds. You know, I, and I just want to be very, very transparent and say that this is a medicine, just like the pharma pharma medicine, and both of them have efficacy for my kids. I continue to use both. I can't stress that enough. I think sometimes we hear about people using cannabis and it's, you know, it's cured uh, their cancer. I think in those cases that's wonderful. That hasn't been my case. Mm -hmm. That one little kid in Colorado who I told you I saw the documentary, you know, her seizures have almost all but subsided. That's not my case. Have I had a reduction in seizures? The number of seizures? Absolutely. Have we had quality of life because of CBD and THC? Absolutely. Has it cured her epilepsy? No. But have we seen efficacy? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's the part of the journey that we are in right now. Who knows? Maybe we're going to down the road, we're going to find a combination or a type of CBD and THC ratio that's going to eliminate the seizures altogether. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But right now, I've seen a reduction. I've seen her gain um, uh, neurological uh, 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 capacity. I've seen her. Have greater interaction with family because she has a reduction in the numbers of seizures. See, the seizures are the villains, right? But all that we do is the heroic effort. It's that pharma med, it's that CBD, that THC, it's you know changing her diet. All of that is all a part of the heroic effort. Mm-hmm. But but I want to be clear: the evil is the seizure, you know, and we we understand that the CBD and THC is a part of her toolkit and we, and we think of it just as that it's a part of her toolkit and it's the easiest one for us to manipulate. I can, I can increase by few, if she's having more seizure activity, I can increase the number of drops that I give her much easier than I can increase the number of pills. Cause do I right. grow up? Do I go up by a whole pill? Do I go up by a half a pill? Then you start so- doing some sort of Frankenstein cocktails. That's not medicine. That's yeah. not medicine. Never advocate that. You know. So this is where we are in the journey where we've seen efficacy using the, the CBD and the THC. Wow.
0: Well, uh, so your daughter's 12 now?
1: She is. <laughs> she is.
0: She was not supposed to live
1: more than two months. That's right. So we kind of got a, a few extra days in. Yeah,
0: just a few, <laughs> just a few. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm so glad to hear that that cannabis is helping you guys and uh, it. Like you say, it's not a panacea, but it's it's crazy the people that I talk to, the tremendous benefits that they see from this plant that. That we've been told for eighty, you know, well, I guess since the seventies, that there's no medicinal benefits to it.
1: But yet, our federal government has a um, a patent on it, and it has no, the U.S. government that is has a has a patent. You know, I think it's patent number sixty six. Uh, what is it, six, 66.
0: I've got it somewhere, I think it's but six, I can't six, remember it.
1: Three, oh, five, three, I think it's six six three oh five oh seven. I think, um, but yet the government has a patent on it. They're talking about the neuroprotective qualities of the cannabinoids. You know, we're we're just at an interesting time. I think Rachel, where we are, even even our students that are in medical school you know, they're still not learning about the endocannabinoid system. It's a whole system, an entire Mm -hmm. system that they're not learning about. So I'm hoping that sooner than later, you know, before prohibition ends, because we are in the point of where it's ending. I think so. Yeah. You know, that our students can learn about this other system regulatory system that that will will help us all.
0: Yeah it's it's amazing to me that it's not it's still not being taught when so much evidence is out there showing the medicinal benefits and they're still not teaching about it.
1: You know they're not teaching about it but I will say that uh, scientists are beginning to write about it in in large numbers and and there's actually a. a can I share a, a title of a book? Would that be okay? Absolutely.
0: We're, we're interested in any resources that you have to offer us.
1: So there's a book that um, you can find on Amazon, and it's actually from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and maybe um, Medicine, I think, yeah, SEM. Uh, and it was a, a report that they compiled into a book. And also, like I said, it's on Amazon. But if you Google this name, it's also in a PDF. So it's free, right?
0: Oh, and it's, nice.
1: Yeah, it's called The Health Effects of Cannabis and Cannabinoids. The Current State of Evidence and Recommendations for Research. Now, uh, here's a caveat and a little bit of a backstory. This was a compendium of uh, studies. That was pulled together by um, by health departments, by some nonprofit organizations, by some research institutions, where they went through, I believe, about twenty-three or twenty-four thousand uh, journals uh, articles in which they talked about cannabis, mm-hmm. and out of those twenty-three, twenty-four thousand they threw out more than half and narrowed it down to about 10,000 articles. And of those 10,000 articles, they grouped them into um, healthcare outcomes. Were you trying to mitigate seizures? Were Were the studies talking about mitigating the effects of nausea? Were the studies trying to look at the efficacy of cannabis and multiple sclerosis? So they sort of grouped those ten thousand studies, they grouped them into health outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. And from those groupings, they can They they had. Uh, they they made statements about some of these studies were, in fact, um, high quality. Some of them were lower quality, and they ranked these studies across these these um, healthcare outcomes. And in this book, it talks about the efficacy of cannabis for some of these health outcomes and so you have scientific journals now collected grouped by by uh healthcare outcomes and while it's a lot of scientific reading and and again some of it is outdated so for example it says that uh for seizures they didn't find that there were studies that were helpful for procedure seizure um, efficacy. Now, because we know this was pre-Epidelix, we know this is pre um, uh, some other uh, cannabis meds that have been released most recently, it at least gives you a little bit of information, scientific information, as to different studies that were conducted about a particular health outcome that you are looking for, so while it's not the end all be all and not the most up to date they've gone through the twenty something thousand studies, narrowed it down to ten thousand and then given recommendations as to uh as to whether or not the study was a valid study uh-huh and why do I recommend this because in many cases when a caregiver is talking to another health care practitioner, a physician, a nurse, meet them where they are. This is a scientist talking about the science of cannabis, and you're giving that information to another health care professional. So you're yes. helping them, you know, you're meeting them where they are. You're not talking about the emotional mother, father talking about the panacea of cannabis. But rather, you're saying to a healthcare professional, "Here's he, he, here's your here's your love language. Mm-hmm. Here's someone talking about cannabis in your love language. Would you like to see it? Would you like to borrow it?" Um, so I have I've I found that oftentimes there's three 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 times when you try to meet somebody where they are in your spiritual community, you try to talk with them. Listen, we have the same book. Mm-hmm. So we have a sim or we have a similar book. What does what do our divinely revealed texts say about the use of this plant? Okay, it's not vilified; it's mentioned. Okay, when you are talking to healthcare providers, you know they don't care about your your religious thing. They don't care about your your stories of of uh, your your anecdotal stories. They wanna they wanna see some science. So um, an, another physician that I highly recommend is Dr. Rousseau. Dr. Rousseau has published articles that talk about some of the um, some of the uh, basic protocols in which cannabis has found some efficacy, and he's a researcher. And mm-hmm. you know, when, when we're finished, I'll send you the um, the actual name of some of the the titles so you can publish it in your podcast notes but he yeah that'd be great and i use that paper i print i used to print out those type of things and have them so that when i'm going to have conversations with her medical providers if i thought i was going to have pushback which i didn't um so i ended up giving them to other parents that so were definitely having pushback but it's a scientist talking to another scientist right and then when it's when we're in our communities you know, sometimes our family members just want to know we're safe. You know, they don't they they know about this war on drugs. They want to just make sure that they don't have to read about you on the six o'clock news. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you mitigate that? Well, you get into your state's legal program, and so you sort of meet people where they are. My mother was very supportive when I told her, well, no, I'm going to become a part of the state's medical program. We have a whole, you know, a whole intake process. We uh, She's evaluated by physicians. They look at her medical records. You know, it's a, it's a whole process. We just don't go to, you know, Johnny on the street and, and, and buy, you know, and buy some weed. That's not what we do. That's not what we do. So you sort of well, yeah, because you not. want to make
0: sure with your your daughter in the condition that she's in, you want to make sure that she's getting something that's safe
1: for her. That I can use repetitively. It has to be something that's safe that I can use repetitively, and you know, buying something on the street, you just can't get that. I don't know. I don't know what's in that. Uh, what's in that product? I don't know where that product came from. I don't know if it's clean. I don't know how many milligrams that are in this product. My my medicines for my daughter are tested. I go, I, I have a batch number. I go and I look and I look it up and I see, oh yes, it said it had, you know, a uh, one-to-one ratio. That That's what that test result says. Oh, it's clean. It doesn't have any pesticides. Great. It doesn't have any trace solvents in there. Perfect. I look, and this is this is science. This is not throw it on the wall and see what sticks.
0: Has your background as a chemist, have you found that that's helped you kind of navigate these waters? Does it? I guess maybe the question is, does it give you more credibility when you talk to your doctors and tell them, we're trying this?
1: I think that is probably true. I, again, because I'm able to sort of meet them a little bit closer to where they are, right? So I, I I think it probably gives me a little bit more credibility with them. Um, but when I open my mouth, uh, uh, as my mother and my two ex-husbands will tell you, you know, that's the credibility. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the force to reckon with right there. Uh, my teenage child will tell you the same thing. It's, it's really hard to argue with you, mom. <laughs> so I'm but, not
0: sure what he's going to try is. right
1: right 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 so I'm not sure where the credibility is with with the with the physicians is is it the science or it is or is it the, the logic of it so or maybe somewhere between right
0: <laughs> yeah well I'm sure you don't go in there because this is this can be a very emotional issue for some parents and but you seem to be very level headed and you go in there and approach it from a logical standpoint and explain to them well this is why and here's the science I
1: I yeah I try I try to meet them where they are and I do try to it's easy to be emotional about a sick kid I mean Jerry Lewis Jerry Lewis got that right right that's what we had at Sullivan <laughs> and I try to be very I try to be very also receptive you know yeah. um I'm a caregiver I need I I need education. The better I know about her, you know, her medical profile, the more that I can serve her. So I have to be, I have to be open to what is being said, but I also have to be an advocate for her. I have to be that voice. So it's a, it's a balance, but I do I do think having a little bit of science background helps, just teeny, teeny, teeny bit. I'm sure. I know it helps when I'm looking for those for those articles. I know that much.
0: Well, your daughter has a tremendous advocate in her corner, and I I think you're doing a great job of of keeping your promise to her to fight for her.
1: Thank you. I I appreciate that, and 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 really, that's what you know. You got to be good to your word, right? Mhm.
0: I, I know we had talked about previously about some of your, your time or uh, some of the work that you're doing with with, uh, with the insurance side, but I don't think we got time to discuss that today. So maybe we can schedule a time if you're you're available to to discuss that side of it.
1: Absolutely. I'd love to talk about um uh the 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 other stuff that the other part of the journey where um now I'm beginning to advocate for the protection of um, health information for cannabis patients. i'd I'd absolutely love to to talk about that and and where you know where there's opportunity for us to improve how we manage their their patient information, absolutely
0: great we'll try and get something on the books and and get you back to talk about that because i think that's a that's an important topic for us to discuss because the fact that people have to pay out of pocket for the medical cannabis is is, it's expensive you know and if you've got insurance if there's some way to figure out to get to insurance to cover it and pay for it I, i think that's something that we need to discuss
1: I think so, too. And I think that, um, you know, there's some there's some work that that the retailers have to do in order to to get to the point when when prohibition is lifted. We need them to be situated well with our information so that our insurance, our insurers say, yes, you are a good team player. Yes, we will cover the the health care, the, the cost of this medicine uh for our for our uh, members so yes we've we've got some work to do and love to talk at another time absolutely
0: oh that'd be great that'd be great well thank you so much for your time today michelle and and thank thank you for sharing your story
1: thank you so much for for the for the invitation to share the story you know it is it's it's one story we have a cacophony of voices now that are coming together to say hey you know what this is a good medicine Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 we need the opportunity to access it safely uh, worldwide. So thank you for you know allowing me to just share this time with you. I appreciate it so much.
0: Well, it's been my absolute pleasure. I, I've enjoyed hearing your story, and and I'll continue to keep your daughter in my prayers. And thank uh, you. Look for forward. That. Yes, look forward to talking to you again about the the insurance side of it.
1: As much as we can. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Sounds great. Thank you so much,
1: Michelle. Thank you, Rachel. Have a good day now. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Big thanks again to Michelle for coming on the podcast. Looking forward to having another conversation with her in regards to cannabis and insurance. And just kind of, she's going to lay out what what needs to happen on the dispensary level and on the state level in order for cannabis, medical cannabis, to be covered by health insurance. So it'll be an interesting conversation and uh, hopefully one that our lawmakers and insurance companies and dispensary owners will take to heart. Show notes for today's episode can be found at cannabishillsme.com 41 We will be back here on Thursday, and I'm not sure yet what our episode for Thursday is going to be. I've got two conversations lined up for Tuesday of this week, and I haven't decided which one of those I'm going to release on Thursday. So it will be a mystery to everyone, including myself, until <laughs> until probably about Tuesday evening or Wednesday morning when I start getting the episode edited and ready to post. But keep an eye out if you will go out and subscribe to our email newsletter at www.cannabishillsme.com. I'll send you an email letting you know what the episode's going to be about. So you won't have to worry about missing it. And also if you subscribe to the podcast, it'll automatically download to your podcast catcher. And again, you won't miss it. That is going to be it for today. I will be back here on Thursday. And until then, you guys have a great week. Thanks. Bye-bye. But until then, you guys have a great week, and I will be back here on Thursday. Hit the subscribe button, and you'll never miss an episode of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or whatever podcast app you're using. Do you have a suggestion for a guest on Cannabis Heals Me? Send an email to podcast at We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from... Cannabis Heals Me or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments.